good morning, you're listening to 3CR, the only radio left. And yes, good morning, it's a lovely day in Melbourne again. And before you settle back with your cup of tea and relax, spare a thought for poor Betty Battenberg, embarrassed again about her family. I won't spare a thought for Betty Battenberg, the Queen of Australia, but I will spare a thought for anyone out there who's um, having some embarrassing moments with their family. However, some people never get embarrassed, do they, no matter what they do. Would you be embarrassed if someone asked you who put that $1 million into your bank account and you said, I don't know, it's a blind trust? Well, you may think perhaps in the old days of Alan Bond and his son David. Remember Alan lost his memory? So did his son David. I didn't realise memory loss was heritable, but there you go. A judge asked David Bond, he said, where did this $2 million come from in your bank account? And the young Bond's answer was, golly, I don't know. Obviously a mate of mine, but I don't know which one. Well, maybe it was someone he met down the pub one night. Who knows? And maybe someone Christian Porter met down the pub one night has now dropped a million quid, a million smackaroos into his account. It's interesting, though, isn't it, dear listener? A man who was once an attorney general, and he particularly remembers ironing a shirt 33 years ago. But, of course, he can't be expected to keep up with little details like who's funding a seven-figure law bill. You know, the funding could have come from anywhere, couldn't it? I mean, on any given day, anyone could have deposited large sums of money into his account or into yours. Or into mine. We should tell them what our bank details are. Ah, well. But we'll talk about Porter a little later on in the program. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's Voice of Dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. 3CR. And let's have a little music break while I fill up my cup of coffee here and get myself going on this beautiful Melbourne day.
voyez Près des étangs lents roseaux mouillés Voyez Ces oiseaux blancs Ces maisons rouillées La mer Les arbres d'amour la to 3CR, the only radio left. You are indeed listening to 3CR. You're listening to Left After Breakfast. And I saw this little article in The Chaser that I thought I'd share with you. Bear with me for a moment and I'll read it for you. In a decision that was widely protested by competitors of the Sydney to Hobart yacht race and by nobody else, the state of Tasmania has today left the Commonwealth of Australia, seeing that the rest of the country was wrapped up in their internal COVID spats. The island state reportedly seized the opportunity to make a break for New Zealand while no one was looking. They did this by attaching an outboard motor to the west coast and punting its way across the ditch. Responding to complaints about this decision, the country's small estate revealed that it actually announced its plans to leave months ago, but nobody from the mainland had bothered to pay attention to what they were saying. And residents of Tasmania have stated that by becoming New Zealand citizens, they are looking forward to Australia laying claim to them for the first time in history. But there's an update to that, listener. New Zealand has decided against a union with Tasmania, although they have offered to keep the tiny bit of Hobart that contains good whiskey distilleries and the cider factory. And we'll be crossing over to the 3CR resident historian, historian, her historian, our historian. And this morning, Glenn's going to tell us about Julius Hobson and about direct action and or bluff. Direct action works wonders. I'll talk to about a fellow called Julius Hobson. He was a uh, Afro-American counsellor in Washington, D.C. back in the 1960s and 1970s. He, was, um, he made a lot of accomplishments. He played a key role in the uh, breaking of racism in schools, in uh, taking school boards. He helped pickets and boycotts. He broke in segregation in hospitals. He did a lot of good things to challenge racism in America. And... Um, he believed in direct action. There was a bit of bluff too, and um, he um, did things like there was a uh, it was concerned nearly sixty about you know police violence and towards Afro-Americans. He claimed he had a device, which is a long-range microphone, which he drove him find police cars around car and find evidence of police talking to cars. And um, it wasn't true, but the bluff worked, and police thought, okay, they lift their game. With segregation, he claimed shots were segregated. He could organise demos. He could bring hundreds of people along. He put stuff in the papers, press releases. He made his threats. They weren't true. But shops were segregated. So police cars, segregation shops, segregation schools. He was happy to use a bit of direct action, a bit of bluff. And um, he achieved a lot of great games for American people in Washington. And I think his main claim to fame is with rats. Rats, you might say. Rats. What did they do with rats? Well, rat plays aren't uncommon in areas especially in poor areas. In big towns, when rat plagues occur where poor people live, the government, the government of the day, the councils turn a blind eye and they say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's their own fault, they're poor or they're black, they don't care. So what should we do about it? We should do nothing. And so what did Julie Hobson do to address the rat problem? Rats were a big issue in the poor areas of Washington in the early 60s. And as areas a lot of Afro-Americans live, a lot of poor people live. Rats were a problem. They'd, they'd attack kids, they'd eat food. They, they'd create a huge mess. And Julius Hobson had had enough of it. He said, okay, this isn't good enough. What I'm going to do, I'll organize a rat convoy, a rat cargo. And he decided to put the, uh, he'd capture rats, 
put racks on the roof of his car to take him across the richer areas. And he, he spun a yarn to the media. He claimed he was breeding rats at home, like chicken coops that had rats at home having bread. And we're going to take him across and invade the wealthy areas. And um, a couple of Saturdays, there were rallies, but he came on a car, and there's a, a buck on the roof with rats. Maybe 10 or 20 rats, not hundreds. He drove the car to the wealthy areas and um, said, okay, here's what my neighbours have to live with. Here's what pauper live with. You're in charge of the council, you're in charge of government, fix the issue. And people say, well, hang on, there's an issue here. Let's, let's address the issue. If there's rats in the poor areas and Afro-Americans and others are suffering, we need to address the issue. And he, he put the wind up them, the wealthy, the power brokers, the government of a daily council. And the rat cargo was overblown. There's only a few rats, only a few cars. But he did it for a few seconds in a row. There's more rats coming. There's more people coming. Don't do nothing. We'll see what happens. Okay. And we did something. He called for a bluff. A mission direct action and a bit of bluff. We organized rat patrols. The council funded rat patrols in the poor areas. And the rat problem was eradicated because, because he's threatened to let rats loose in the wealthy areas. So when you have problems with the authorities, when you have problems with those in power, when you have problems with the government of the day, you don't beg and scrap and borrow. You don't say, mm, we humbly beseech you. You do what Julius Hobson did. You take direct action. Chocula. Dublin's fair city Where the girls are so pretty I first laid my eyes on sweet Molly Malone As she wheeled her wheelbarrow Through the streets broad and Cockers and mosses alive, 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 alive. crying cockers and mosses. And sure, t'was no wonder For so was her father and mother before And they all wheeled their barrows Through the streets, broad and narrow Crying cockles You're listening to 3CR 855 AM on digital and on the internet 
www.3cr.org.au. When I was new to Melbourne, I found a Food Not Bombs flyer on the road and I had like this feast with a carrot and carrots are my favourite vegetable. Yeah, I think they were asking for help doing stuff and I got in touch. We, I guess, rescue food. That would otherwise go to waste. I like the aspect of sharing food and um, not making anyone feel obligated to pay anything for it. We make a real point at Food Not Bombs of involving everyone who wants to be involved in whichever part they want to be involved in. For more information, go to fnbmelb.noblogs.org. Food Not Bombs is a 3CR supporter. And it's time for Ask Bucko. He'll tell you. Good morning, this is Mark Buckley, broadcasting on 3CR on Left After Breakfast. The title of the piece is The Porter Case Unfolds as Classic Greek Tragedy. The facts of the case are that Catherine Thornton accused Christian Porter of a sustained and violent sexual assault over an extended period of time on the night, on a night in 1988. There were no witnesses and there is no supporting forensic evidence. So it really is a case of she said, he said. There can never be a criminal trial because the alleged victim is deceased. That's because the accusations cannot be tested in court. Under our system of criminal law, the facts have to be proved beyond reasonable doubt. Without the accuser, the case against Christian Porter is too weak to proceed. There are only two possibilities here. He did it or he didn't. The law is an imperfect instrument, and especially under our system, if a case cannot be proved, then the truth of the matter remains unresolved. The same situation applies to any form of inquiry. We can hold one, but it will not prove anything. It might serve as window dressing, but there were only two people who knew the truth of the matter, and one of them has died and the other one has denied it. This case has already divided the country and in many aspects it is reminiscent of the Lindy Chamberlain case. The public didn't like her then and they decided that she was guilty, notwithstanding the weakness of the case against her. Christian Porter is in a similar position. He has many detractors and sections of the public have apparently made up their minds as to his culpability. However, if he's not able to be convicted then he is nominally free to continue his life. And he has vehemently denied the accusation. That's where this Greek tragedy unfolds. If he did commit the atrocious crimes he's accused of, he's already being punished. His political life will probably wither and die, and he will carry the taint of his crimes for the rest of his life. He will suffer the worst of punishments, a form of banishment from his peers. His family, even his children, will be affected. The shame of the accusation will never leave him. If he did not commit the crimes he's accused of, the punishment remains the same, but he will bear the added burden of knowing that he was innocent. For those who think Christian Porter has got away with something, think again. He's damned if he did and damned if he didn't. The other question is about Catherine Thornton. My strong inclination is to believe women who report rapes because it's highly unlikely that they do so mistakenly or even maliciously. It is a profound and courageous act to report your own rape, and so many victims speak of the re-traumatisation which occurs when they do. Believing rape victims in all cases is not foolproof, however, and so there is a possibility that Catherine Thornton was wrong or malicious in her reporting. Whatever the truth, she paid with her life. There's no way to be absolutely certain of the facts because we cannot test either story. Catherine Thornton obviously suffered very much for many years and she has died as as a seeming result of that suffering. But we cannot with absolute certainty blame Christian Porter for her pain. Christian Porter's personality is not proof of criminal behaviour. He projects a born-to-rule persona and a patrician disdain for his opponents. 
His political methods are merciless and many in the legal community condemn his seeming lack of compassion for those less favoured by fate. He offends many and his personal history has not shone a kindly light on his attitudes to women. But questions of his likability do not prove anything. His dilemma is that even during what must be a distressing time for him, there's no movement to award him the benefit of the doubt. Perhaps he is seen as paying for his hubris. The Prime Minister has engaged in Olympic standard fence-sitting, which allows him wriggle room, depending on how the court of public opinion decides. His responses are almost always political, and the political and the legal worlds are simply too small and too self-interested to deal with a human tragedy of this scale. Porter is on his own. No matter where the truth lies... There are no winners in this tragedy. Thank you for listening. And you can find Bucko at markbuckleymedia.com. Mark with a K. Markbuckleymedia.com. I sit here down by your graveside and rest for a while neath the warm summer sun. I've been walking all day and I'm nearly done. I can see by your gravestone you were only 19 when you joined the great fallen in 1916. Well, I hope you died well, and I hope you died clean. Or young Willie McBride, was it slow and obscene? Did they beat the drums slowly? Did they play the fife lonely? Did they sound the death march as they lowered you down? And did the band play the last poem? and chorus Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest Did you leave there a wife or a sweetheart behind In some faithful heart is your memory enshrined Although In that faithful heart Are you forever 19? Or are you a stranger Without even a name And close them forever Behind a glass pane In an old photograph Torn, battered and stained The sun, how it shines on the green fields of France. There's a warm summer breeze that makes the red poppies dance. And see how the sun shines from under the clouds. There's no gas, no barbed wire, there's no guns firing out. But here in this graveyard. Oh
This war could end wars. Well, the sorrow, the suffering, the glory, the pain, the killing and dying were all done in vain. For young Willie McBride, it's all happened again and again. As they lowered you down And did the band play the last post and chorus Did the pipes play the flowers of the forest beautiful song always makes me cry written by Eric Bogle of course William McBride was Private William McBride from Lisley County Armagh who was killed on April the 22nd 1916 he was with the 9th Battalion of the Royal Inniskilling Fusiliers Thank you, Eric Bogle. And I had better track down the bagman. That oh-so-elusive bagman. Time is getting on. Oh, right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, bagman, good morning. Good morning, Susan. Good morning to all of your listeners. Now, I want to be serious today because, unfortunately, the black dog has been lapping at my ankles. Um now, we've been in this lockdown for a long, long time, and I must say, and you won't disagree with me, that we have to record this program uh, 24 hours before it goes to air. So um, today I was feeling a bit down, uh, and it's Wednesday morning, we've been doing this recording, and then I, I was wondering how much longer we're going to have to be in this lockdown, and Fortunately, Dan Andrews came on today and said that the vaccination rates are ahead of target and that by maybe Saturday or Sunday, we would have some freedoms uh, returned to us. Now, that's something to look forward to, Susan, because, you know, I only have my neighbours that I can, uh, I can talk to and I usually talk to them over the fence. But they've been locked down for 14 days in quarantine because they're both school teachers and uh, they came into contact with the Tier 1 uh, exposure site. And unfortunately, my wife, my good wife, my darling wife, is also uh, in St Vincent's private hospital having a new hip done. So there's only me and a dog. Oh, you poor thing. Well, you know, uh, well, come up, bag man. Come on, bag. Think of what um, our parents would have done. Perhaps not your parents, perhaps not uh, mine specifically, but many of them. Look, we could be in the Blitz in London in World War Two. 
Well, we could be, but uh, the people wouldn't pull down their blinds to cut off the lights so that the Germans couldn't bomb them, would they? Um, oh, yeah. They would say, give me my freedom. If I want the right. light on, <laughs> I want the light on. I have that's a right. Cry freedom. Um, so, look, I urge anybody out there that it's been like me with the, the black dog lapping at your ankles, get in touch with someone, ring someone, uh, send a, a Facebook message to someone, but don't let it get you down because there is light at the end of the tunnel um, and that will be coming sooner than what we think. And fortunately, it's going to be for the vaccinated people that uh, will have will have will be able to enjoy those freedoms, and rightly so. Yeah, maybe last week we went a bit we went a bit hard on the uh, unvaccinated people who refused to be unvaccinated. Now we take into account that people, many people that listen to Three CR that won't be getting vaccinated for their own reasons, and I take that into account. Yeah. If, if they've got reasons and they're good reasons and they've heard something over the internet that uh, it's going to make you grow another head, uh, then I accept that fact. Well, perhaps they need another head. <laughs> wow. Come uh, on, come on, Bagman. Uh, I, no, I, I can understand that some people can't get vaccinated because, one, the vaccinations are slow in rolling out. We thank oh, yeah. our Prime Minister for that. Another thing he didn't do. So some people are still waiting for vaccinations. Some people are health compromised in such a way that yes. medical authorities recommend them not to have a vaccination. Yes. Yes. Any, well, anyone yes. else, what problems have they got? What questions have they got about it? Well, they well, want to argue. They want to argue with science. Let them, but just don't do it in my hearing. Here, I think the... Uh, the internet is one of the most vile um, um, ways of communicating with people because they give out so much misinformation. And unfortunately, people believe what they read on the internet. Some people believe what they read in the Herald Sun. Well, also. there you go. There you go. <laughs> we live in a world where many people, and I'm afraid there are many, Many people believe what they read in the Herald Sun. Mm. So we shouldn't be too surprised, really, at the idiocy there is out there. Look, I've had someone say to me, this is a woman who's um, finished high school and not much else, and she said to me, oh, the vaccine, I have questions. And uh, I said, what questions? She said, oh, they're just questions. I have uh, questions about it. So I said, have you asked a scientist? Oh, she saw uh, something on YouTube. Yeah. Mm. There you go. It, it really is a shame, a shame, Susan, that people believe. People... Yeah, we're, we're going to stick by them and let them have their beliefs, but they won't have the freedoms that we will enjoy in the coming months. You know, Bagman... Yeah. Someone complained to me the other day about having to, do we all have to have a vaccine passport? I said, mm. I said, well, how old are you? 45, right. Well, you've already got a vaccine passport. Yeah. Since you were a baby, you've had a vaccine passport. That's right. You've mm. been inoculated against every infectious disease uh, since about 1890. Yes, and you had to show it to get into some schools. That's right. Um, so I, had, remember, yeah. Yeah, I remember yeah. getting my, um, well, what was the one diphtheria that left a, uh, a reasonable hole in your arm, but it never made me, well, it stopped me from getting diphtheria. And dying. That's right. Well, um, that sounds like my smallpox. I've got a great big smallpox scar oh, on my arm. You could be right. You could be right. Susan. Really yeah, big could, one. Yeah, yeah, that'd be the one. Looks like a bullet Which, hole. Yeah, you had. Well, I, <laughs> well, I would, I would have to compare my smallpox scar to your bullet holes and bagman tonight. Right. But I, 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 I had to have it to travel. B O A C, B O A C, one of the smallpox um, vaccination proof. Well, every so, time, every time you travel overseas, 
you have to get vaccinated against catching some exotic disease. Now, if you want to travel overseas, you don't say no. You go and have the vaccination against yellow fever or malaria or whatever. Oh, well, we'll just leave them, Susan. Leave them to their own devices. And when we are coming out of uh, our lock-up period and we're experiencing freedoms that these people won't be able to, um, we can't do anything else except warn them about or warn them to have the vaccine so that they won't get sick and they won't die. But what happens if these people want to move next door to you? Do you well, want them to move next door? Well, you wouldn't want them to, uh, would you? Would you wouldn't you wouldn't uh, uh, congregate around them? So I tell you, tell you what would I'm you? Through. No, no, I wouldn't. No. Would, would you want them to marry your daughter? Uh, I don't think so, Susan. I don't think so. But look, I've got a. I've got a, a thing with the age newspaper, and I've mentioned it before, because Craig Kelly, who disseminates misinformation uh, on the front page of the age newspaper, um, the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs, Ken Wyatt, accuses his fellow Member of Parliament, Craig Kelly, of disseminating false information which could easily affect the health of his people. Now, as serious as this allegation is in the age newspaper, um, most days you have this person, Craig Kelly, on the front page. Something has to be done. There has to be some law passed that you cannot uh, uh, advocate having a, 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 a worming mixture for normally... Uh, used on horses to COVID uh, to uh, combat the COVID uh, virus. Is Craig Kelly actually advising people to take a horse worming treatment to protect themselves from the coronavirus? Well, he's actually saying that vaccines don't work and he discourages people from having the vaccine. But in the past, he has uh, um, promoted this herm, uh, the horseworming uh, tablet or ointment uh, that you stick up your bum uh, and it will get rid of COVID. Now, I know that you're going to say something about Christian Porter, but how low do politics standards need to go before someone acts, before voters say enough is enough? Maybe we can put up with a member of parliament scamming the nation with COVID misinformation, Craig Kelly uh, and whatever. Maybe we can dismiss a government backbencher for encouraging people to jam the phone of a key medical regulator. But can we accept a cabinet minister, a former attorney general, having his costly legal defence paid by a benefactor he says he can't disclose because they are unknown to him. Now, this has got to be the bottom line, even for this government. <sighs> oh, I can't believe it. You can't believe it. But there are more of us than there are of them. And we've had enough. Wouldn't you think that all the feelings people are experiencing at the moment because of lockdown, that they could put those feelings into something really positive, like saying... Let's go and overthrow the government tomorrow. Oh, yes. but hang on, hang on, wait. We can't. We have to wait till we're all vaccinated. Then right. we'll go and yeah. overthrow the government. Your father always told you, didn't he, about the revolution? Yeah, it was just around the corner, he said. Well, he was right, because it is just around the corner now. It really a, is now. It's a bloody long call out. That's all I can say, Susan. Now, that... that that rally that was held a couple of uh, weeks ago where 4,000 people, uh, freedom marches or whatever, have unleashed 4,000 COVID cases we were on track to avoid. 
Now, the Fitzroy Community School, that's up your way again. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, up your way. Joins them in the anti-social sin bin. Now, this production is based on the Burnett Institute modelling. Now, at the same time that I say that, that it's produced all these cases, the rising cases of COVID by 4,000 freedom marchers, cutlines, commandos, anti-maskers, and whatever. Um, it has shot the, uh, the, uh, uh, the COVID cases um, out of bounds. Now, I'm reading an advert that says, a worldwide rally for freedom. Now, I'm not going to tell you where it is, and I'm not going to promote it, but apparently they're calling it for this Saturday. Now, take into account, this Sunday, we will be told the freedoms that we can enjoy. And these greedy, selfish, non-caring bastards uh, want to march on the street to further lock us up uh, in, in, in lockdown. They are the ones who are our jailers. They are. Well, they exactly are, Susan, because it's their actions um, uh, that are keeping us in jail, keeping us in lockdown, despite the good work that the nurses, the doctors, the tracers uh, and the health officials are doing. Um, and it just it flies in the face of those people and if, if, if there is a rally on Saturday, and I'm not going to tell you where it will be because I think it's a bit of bullshit, um, that the police, once again, the frontline troops will once again be attacked uh, by these greedy, uncaring uh, bastards. What, what did you call them, Bagman? Did, did you say freedom fighters or something? No, no, look. They call themselves freedom fighters. No. I, call, I call them cut lunch commandos. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say, self-indulgent soldiers. But cut lunch commandos is better. Yes, it is. It really puts them down. And you've got to take into account New Zealand. New Zealand is on track to eliminate this virus once again, proving that even our outbreaks of the Delta variant can be suppressed if the political will to do it exists. Now, I just wish, I just wish we had someone like Jacinta Ardern as, oh, prime, as the Prime Minister of this country. Because, uh, look, take into account from when the time the vaccine was produced, uh, this government is almost indulging criminal actions um, that, as the, the BL from the bush calls it, it wasn't a rollout, it was a stroll out. And they're responsible for the people that are dying in Sydney now, and unfortunately, the people that are dying here in Victoria. Uh, what a wish, though, Jacinda Ardern. What a wish. Well, yes, yes, yes. And, hey, Here's a, a quote that you, you won't hear again. It's a quote. Uh, it makes you wonder where they pull them from. Uh, this is from Greg Hunt. Now, he's the Minister for Health. And still. He said, yeah, still the Minister for Health. Well, until the next election, we hope. And he said, we know that the second doses follow the first doses. And that's so incredibly important milestone. How's that? The second doses follow the first doses. How clever. <laughs> oh, you wonder where they pull them from, don't you, Susan? Who said politicians were stupid? <laughs> well, I tell you what. They're devious, they're underhanded, they're untruthful, and they're worthless. Now, that's not me ringing in the background, Susan. No, it's uh, someone, <laughs> someone about some, it's about my Chinese tax I haven't paid or something. All oh, right, they're coming around to arrest you, are they? It's this time of day, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, what I was saying, in case I was blocked out, politicians are devious, underhanded, untruthful, and basically worthless, like Clive Palmer and Craig Kelly. 
that's very strong words. Well, I hope they are strong words. And this is the only radio station that could possibly say those words um, because we're not afraid of the politicians. We don't rely on their funding to keep this radio station going. Um, so we're totally independent and we don't have to toe the line as other people have to do with Sky News and whatever. Uh, Susan, do you know this? Do you know this? There are 24,000 24, unvaccinated workers at the end of this week in aged care homes. Can you believe that? Uh, that that can't be true. It can't be. Well, I well I didn't read it in the Herald Sun, but uh, um, I did read it in the Age. Um, Twenty four thousand people, frontline troops, still to be. Now, they may have a reason for not being uh, vaccinated, but there are still twenty four thousand people that haven't had the chance. Um, to get vaccinated working in aged care facilities. Well, they should be vaccinated by the end of today if all goes well. I would, but you look at, when you look at where the people are falling down, unfortunately, and being infected by COVID, where you look at where people are most sick and where they're dying, mm. around Melbourne and Sydney, you see that there's a very strong line between the rich and the poor. And I mean that. I look, it's quite weird. People who live in the rich suburbs aren't going so badly. People who are poor, well, they live in smaller houses. They live closer together. You know, uh, they can't work from home. Yeah. They, are of, they are often essential workers. They can't get out and about um and they're the ones who need the vaccine, and they're the ones who are being infected, poor buggers. It's still rich versus poor. Yes, well, let's hope that within the next week or so, there will be those vaccinations will uh, get over the limit that we need, the 70%, maybe the 80% that we need to get our freedom. We don't need a freedom fighter, but we don't need a cut-lunch commando, we don't need an anti-vasker, um, anti-masker or an anti-vaxxer. What we need is uh, the government, the uh, people on the frontline troops working for us to make sure that the people are vaccinated so that we can have some freedom. Yes. You know, Bagman, yeah. I was talking to God the other day. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, he, oh my God. He asked after you, so I, oh, did he? Oh, yeah. I, I, I think it's your God. But anyway, I was talking to God the other day and he was really despondent and quite depressed really? about, about the state of humanity. Oh. And he said, he said, I got tired of the fires and the floods and the scorpions. And so I gave him a really easy plague. What they have to do is stay inside and watch Netflix. Oh, right. Uh, And they they still can't do that. No, no, unfortunately. Um, Although the building industry or the construction industry has had some harsh words said to them this week that if they're not going to wear masks, and it's almost a rite of passage for tradies not to wear masks, but now they're wearing them on building sites because they've been told by the government that the the building industry is responsible for the spread of COVID and they're no more going to have uh, the opportunity to not wear a mask while they're working. I've had some men working out the front of my street for the last few days. Their masks, they start at 7 a.m. Well, I don't mind it. It's like an alarm clock, isn't it? Yes, yes, yes. But they're digging up roads and putting new things. I don't know what they're doing. They're working men's things. I don't understand it, you know. But they've all been masked. I've noticed that. And I thought Bagman told me last week that tradies weren't wearing masks. Well, these road diggers are wearing theirs. Good on them. Good on them. Maybe the message is 
finally getting through. But you only have to go to the supermarket, uh, which you've got to do very quickly. Um, you only have to go to the chemist and uh, do your QR code and do that very quickly and head home. But still, a lot of people are not wearing the mask. Well, I get my groceries delivered to me. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you're you're in the Paris end of uh, Clifton, that's why. Yes, that's why. Look, I I was thinking seriously of writing to the Queen oh, yeah. to, to say, look, you've got to do something about this government in Australia. Well, look, you've done it before, Queenie. No, <laughs> no big deal for you. That's right. And I... I thought I should do that. Then I thought, oh, look, she's having a rough time at the moment, you know. Yeah, with Randy Andy and whatever. And, yeah. and, and Air Miles Andy in trouble again. Oh, uh, he, he is running from castle to castle to stop being served with papers <laughs> <laughs> from uh, the, court, the court being in. So... Isn't he lucky? He's run from castle to castle to castle. Um, yeah. there, there I was thinking of the times that I've ducked out the back door and down the backyard and over the back fence into the neighbours and over their fence to find the buckets waiting out the front of the neighbour's place for me. You know? <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, uh, and while we're on that sort of theme, what about Tony Abbott? Now, Tony Abbott was caught without wearing a mask by the side while he was cycling through Bondi. Um, now, Tony come out and said, it's not, snitching is not part of the Australian character. Oh. Well, he says we should turn a blind eye. So maybe we could, we, we could turn a blind eye to deaths in custody, Manus Island, corruption in Parliament, uh, in government and the climate emergency. Maybe we shouldn't snitch on those people uh, because it's un-Australian. I believe Tony Abbott was out of his zone. But anyway, well, what rules don't matter to him. He has his own. Now, I was spoke to you last week and I said that I was seriously considering dobbing people. I have considered it. I'm still considering Mm -hmm. But if I, if I see the same people doing the same thing again and again, then I will. Well, that's your privilege to do that because those people are inflicting something on you that you don't deserve. If they're exposing you uh, to a health issue, um, then you have every right. But I did say last week, the people who go to jail, um, I'm all in favour of every prisoner trying to escape. But that's my uh, jaundiced view on the world. Fair enough, too, Bagman, fair enough. And look, talking about views on the world, whether jaundiced or otherwise, it's a lovely morning and it's been lovely chatting to you again. Oh, good. Thank you, Susan. We must do this more often. We've only done it. For every Friday morning for the last 34 years. Now, that's got to be a world record. Maybe we'll be in, what do they call it, Ripley's or something? Not anyway. that's Ripley's, believe it or not. <laughs> Ripley's, believe it or not. Anyway. Yeah, Guinness. A Guinness world record, that's it. Yeah, yeah but... Uh, uh, I don't know if there's anybody uh, 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 that was alive 34 years ago that uh, seen us recording from the studio, even though we have to do it remotely now. But anyway, let's go out in the same old way. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you lose. Good morning from Left After Breakfast. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, Melbourne's voice of dissent. 3CR Community Radio, 855 on the AM dial, streaming live at 3cr.org.au or on 3CR Digital in Melbourne. Yes, indeed, it's that time again. Time to say goodbye and to send all those cheerios that I forgot to send before. But you know who I mean.
Thanks for listening in. Thanks for the ride. I'll see you next time. Same time, same place.